I'm Alison Braddock, Marketing and Business Development Manager of SRUC Veterinary Services, and I will be talking to Fiona Crowden about infectious lameness in sheep, an update for the busy practitioner. Hello, Fiona. Morning, Alison. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So, why is lameness in sheep important? Um. There's a lot of lame sheep in the country. Um, there's an estimated uh, roughly kind of three million sheep in the UK are lame at any one time. And about six to nine million sheep over the course of a year will become lame. So it's a significant welfare problem um, because obviously a lame sheep is a sheep that's in pain. Um, and part of the problem is that um, lame sheep can become a little bit of the, the furniture in the background of a farm in that... Um, just with there being a lot of lame sheep around, farmers can get used to seeing a lot of lame sheep and don't necessarily appreciate that, you know, that they potentially can do a significant amount on their farm to, to improve lameness. And especially with the help of their vet and um, engaging with their vet and, and getting some help to do that. OK, so so what are the actual costs of lameness to the farmer? Um, There could be lots. There's there's can be the, just the emotional cost of, of constantly seeing lame sheep and I don't think we should forget that um, farmers can be really troubled by, by trying to manage lameness within their flock. Um, but it can have production effects. Obviously a lame sheep is a sheep that's not going to be grazing effectively. It's probably going to be a little bit thinner and um, we're going to increase the number of barren ewes. They're going to have fewer lambs and um, they're going to have decreased milk production, which is going to have a knock on effect on your, your growth rates. So there's those production effects. Um, and then there's the treatment and time costs that farmers spend trying to manage the lameness on their farms and then the increased cost for, of culling. So it can be significant and um, it's a very difficult factor to put a, a number on. There was a study in 2017 that tried to. Um, they found that farmers that had a less than 5% lameness prevalence in their flock, um, they, the lameness cost them around £3.90 per ewe per year. Uh, so there's obviously a cost in keeping lameness low. But farmers with a greater than 10% lameness had a, a cost of about £6.35 per ewe per year. So not only were they spending more, but they also still had a reasonably high level of lameness on their farms. Um, the study tried to put a price on the cost of these farms, farmers doing these things. And then if they adopted best practice, what would that give them kind of in their pocket at the end of the year? And, and best practice, they thought on average would would lead to a benefit of about £4.65 per ewe per year. Now obviously that's going to vary significantly depending on the farm um, but that was, the, that was their estimation of, of the benefit of, of getting lameness down from a relatively high level on a farm um, down to, to under control. Gosh that's really interesting. So, so what actually causes uh, the lameness in sheep Fiona? So if we're thinking particularly about infectious lameness, I am then there's there's two main causes. There's there's scald and foot rot. Scald is a kind of milder end of the disease, foot rot is a, a more severe end of the disease, both initiated by a bacteria called Dicylobacter nidosis. Um and can cause like quite Lame lameness with um, the interdigital skull, the kind of reddening of the interdigital skin is usually what we see. And that can progress either with more virulent strains coming into the foot 
um, and to get underrunning of the horn and a particular smell, which which farmers and, and vets will identify as, as foot rot. Um, we can sometimes get a secondary in bacterial infection by Fusobacterium necrophorum when we get foot rot, and the presence of it has been shown to, to worsen clinical disease, but it seems very much to be a secondary invader rather than a primary pathogen. And then separate but related to those, those two conditions um, is COD. So having foot rot on your farm can predispose to cod and sheep. If there's cod around, sheep with foot rot are more likely to catch cod. But cod can um, happen independent of that. So cod stands for contagious ovine digital dermatitis. Um, it's caused by a little treponema species, which is a spirochete. And it's the same um, treponemes that um, are associated with digital dermatitis in cows. And so farms with digital dermatitis in their cows that also have sheep can see an increased incidence of cod in their sheep as well. And it's an interesting one because these ulcerations at the coronary band and then it, it underruns the, the horn of the foot and um, causes loss of the horn of, of the foot. And again, that's obviously painful and can be associated with lameness. Right. OK, so. So looking at those diseases, how can we actually treat, uh, in the first instance, uh, scald and foot rot? Um, so scald and foot rot taken together because it's the same um, bacterial cause. Um, treatment wise, if you've got a problem in an outbreak, we can think about foot bathing. Foot bathing has got to be done effectively um, using an appropriate um, foot bathing product at the right concentration. We want to make sure sheep have got clean feet going through that that. Um, foot bath. Make sure the, the solution's deep enough to cover those feet. We want the sheep to stand in the, the foot bath for a good 10 minutes or whatever it says on your product. And then they need to stand on a clean, dry floor until their, their hooves are nice and dry and then ideally turned out into a, a clean field. And if we don't do um, this properly, because we've got a, a high number of the Dicelobacter bacteria on these infected feet if we gather them in to, to a holding yard we're going to spread that condition through the group if we then don't have an effective foot bath ineffective foot bathing can then increase the the distribution of, of um, scald and foot rot in the flock rather than decreasing it so if we're going to do it we've got to do it well um, turning then to um, antibiotics antibiotic foot baths don't really have a place in the treatment of scald and foot rot or indeed cod um, but using injectable antibiotics or topical antibiotics again spraying um, oxytetracycline spray um, for interdigital scald um, or injectable antibiotics for foot bath for foot rot um, are, are acceptable usually penicillins or oxytetracyclines are really quite effective Okay, that's really interesting. I remember doing that for dairy sheep in Inverness. <laughs> so how should we treat cod, Fiona? So cod's a little bit interesting. It was first kind of appeared about 20 years ago in the UK and we didn't really know what to do with it. Um, there was a, a trend for a time to use kind of whole flock treatment of antibiotics, especially tilmicosin. Um, and while it can be effective in reducing cod, it's pretty bad at eliminating cod. Um, and it's generally it's not a responsible use of antibiotics um, and it's not really recommended at all. We can use targeted antibiotics for those that have cod lesions. Um, and studies have shown that actually long acting 
amoxicillin is um, pretty effective. If we give a single dose of, of long-acting amoxicillin, it's been shown to have about a 71% cure rate. If we give them two injections of long-acting amoxicillin 48 hours apart, that goes up to 91%. Um, so that's where our, our recommendation for, for treating COD is. Um, and when we think about a, a flock that's having a significant outbreak of infectious lameness, there's always the... the uh, option to take these infected animals out of the flock for a period of time, treat them. Those that respond to the treatment really quickly um, can remain in isolation for a period and then join the, the flock. And then we can think about whether we want to, to cull those that are either slow responders to treatment or that don't respond to treatment and remove them from the flock because all they're going to do is keep that infection uh, within the flock and, and spread it to the other sheep again. Okay, thank thank you for that. So, so regarding sheep lameness, what is the five point plan? So the five point plan um, was first um, released in about two thousand and fourteen, and it was a really nice um, merging of experience of farmers that had reduced um, lameness within their flock and the best scientific evidence at the time. Um, so the five point plan has has five points, obviously. Three of them are around reducing the challenge on a farm. So that is the, the prompt detection and treatment of your lame sheep, kind of get them treated quickly so that the, the load of the bacteria and the infectious agents within your flock as a whole is it remains re relatively small. Um, farm hygiene, because these bacteria like wet, damp conditions, doing what you can around troughs, gateways, feeding stations, these sorts of things to, to reduce um, the exposure, um, reduce the muddiness and the spread. Um, so thinking about those those aspects within your your farm, what can you do to to avoid them standing in 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 wet muddy areas? And then also biosecurity, both to stop you buying in um, these infectious agents because you might have foot rot, but you might buy in a, a more virulent strain, or you might not have cod, and you can certainly buy in cod as well. So those sorts of bio, biosecurities. Um, the other things we can do under the five-point plan, we can think about establishing immunity and improving immunity within our flock, and we can do that with a vaccine um, called Footvax. It's the only um, vaccine available and licensed in the UK, and it's a 10-strain uh, vaccine against denodosis. Um, and it will not be the magic bullet to... Um, to fix lameness in your flock, but it would definitely help. And if you've got over a kind of five percent, five to ten percent level of lameness within the flock, it generally offers a, a fairly cost-effective thing to do. Um, we tend to find there's there's peaks, seasonal peaks of lameness in spring and autumn. And what most farmers that are vaccinating, they they vaccinate their flocks in advance of those risk periods to try and reduce disease. Um, so usually about four weeks before they expect to have a problem. And then the final um, point within the, the five-point plan is to, to cull sheep out. So as I've mentioned already, to cull slow responders, to cull chronically lame sheep, to cull sheep that have more than kind of two episodes of lameness in the same foot in the same year, or even just two episodes of lameness, and just remove these, these sheep that are both genetically predisposed to lameness and especially if you're keeping your own replacements, you don't want to keep them in your flock, um, but also Re remove the these sheep that are more likely to be infectious within your flock 
um, and provide infection and contaminate your muddy areas with the bugs that are then going to spread to the other sheep. So to sum up, the five points of the five point plan are to treat effectively, quarantine incoming animals and take measures to avoid um, the bacteria building up in places on your farm, to establish immunity by vaccinating um, and build resilience by culling sheep that are chronically affected um, or chronically lame. Okay, so does it work? The effectiveness of the five-point plan tends to tends to rely on on how well farmers manage to implement it, um, and there's lots of barriers to farmers managing to do that. Um, there's there's sometimes it, it can be their own beliefs that you know they've tried things and it doesn't work. Um, it can be that there's kind of inevitability. We've got sheep. We're always going to have lame sheep. Um, so there's there's those sorts of kind of biases and previous opinions that that we as vets can take some time to to dispel. And in other cases, there's just physical resources that they don't have available to them. They they might be cash poor. They might be time poor. And I think that's definitely something that can be a significant factor in in farms just now. There's very much fewer people looking after more sheep um, and time can be a significant limiting factor. And also the infrastructure and facilities that farmers have available to them to allow them to kind of gather various um, groups of sheep and, 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 um, and treat them. But I think there's a motivation that can come from speaking about it, and especially with with knowledge sharing. If if vets are having um, farmers groups and flock health groups, getting someone in who's had a high level of lameness and has has managed it effectively can be really really powerful. Um, so actually, just taking measures as vets to to try and and um, communicate that we can do something about lameness, that, that it's not something that is inevitable about um, having sheep and that we should be doing something to, to decrease the amount of, of lameness. And actually, you'll have more profitable sheep if you have less lameness within your flock. So, Fiona, what's the impact of foot trimming on um, lameness in sheep? So, foot trimming is a really interesting one. It um, started off as because these bacteria are, are what's known as anaerobic bacteria, they don't like air. And so the theory was to open up the, the tissues of the foot and let the air in, and that'll help the, um, the, the bacteria die because they'll get air in there and they'll die. And unfortunately, that's, it, it does appear that foot trimming has been really well demonstrated to be really counterproductive. Um, partially because... Yeah, partially because the in the act of trimming, you will contaminate your, your foot trimmers, you'll contaminate your hands with these infectious bacteria. And if you then go on to handle further healthy feet, you can help spread um, the, the bacteria between sheep and, and through your flock. Um, and the other thing is it's just the physical trauma that can be happened during, during foot trimming. Um, and the fact you're, you're, you can then, having traumatised the foot, put bacteria into it from that. So many studies have shown that foot trimming will increase lameness rather than decreasing it um, and is generally um, frowned upon. So the good news for farmers that don't like foot trimming, there's a really neat little study that looked into kind of the length of sheep's feet and whether we need to tr- trim feet. 
And it found that actually the length of sheep's feet kind of ebb and flow over the course of the year. And sometimes you do get those kind of flappy bits that you want to trim off. Um, but actually in time, the sheep will wear those away because they've come over the, the um, weight bearing part of the foot. They'll wear away in time and, and the sheep's foot will return back into its, its normal shape. But when you get the really overgrown feet, that's happened because that sheep is lame. So it's not the overgrowth that's caused the lameness. It's the lameness that's caused the overgrowth. And if you leave that sheep lame and do nothing to treat the lameness, that overgrowth, even if you've trimmed it, that overgrowth will come back within about six weeks. But if you treat the lameness and that sheep foot becomes sound, she'll start weight bearing on that foot. And actually, it'll sort itself out just through wear over time. So there's the good news is for farmers, they don't need um, to trim feet. And actually, treaty trimming feet and even routine trimming of feet is it's just going to increase the amount of lameness that's in your flock well thanks Fiona that's really interesting I remember doing lots of trimming as uh, a, a I know me too in my pre-college <laughs> um, and I found it really informative and a, a really good reminder of infectious lameness in sheep um, and I know that you've done a recent webinar haven't you um, that can be found on our website um, and what we'll do is we'll put the link to the webinar alongside the podcast so that we can, we, you know, so, so that you can actually, so people listening to this can actually access the webinar as well. So thanks very much for listening. And thank you, Fiona. Brilliant. So, yeah, if you Google the Online CPD Academy, SRUC Online CPD Academy, it tends to come up on a Google search. Um, and there's lots of our previous talks are available within that academy as well. So thank you so much for having me today, Alison. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much, Fiona. Thank you.